What is up, family? It's Dr. Dale, the author of How to Raise a Doctor and the author of Pre-Med Mondays. Both books are available on Amazon.com, so make sure you grab your copy there. You listen to the Black Men in White Coats podcast, a place where black male clinicians have the opportunity to share their story. I'm very excited about today's guest. He's got a great story for you guys, a great journey, uh, very inspiring, and I like his take his take on medicine, his passion for medicine, how it bleeds through in his story. His name is Dr. Cedric McFadden. He is a colorectal surgeon who practices in South Carolina. I first got to know Dr. McFadden uh, via Twitter group, uh, Twitter group Black Men in Medicine. And I don't know who started this group, but I know he was one of the early heavy movers in it. Says, you know, either Dr. McFadden, Dr. Quinn Capers, Dr. Daryl Gray, Dr. Heather Lowe, Dr. Brian Williams. I, honestly, I don't know who started the group. But one of them started the group and got things moving. And I know Dr. McFadden and Dr. Heather Lowe were the ones who wrote the blog for the group that really got things moving and propelled. So he was instrumental in that. And, you know, when you see that, you know, somebody actually cares about the cause. So I do believe he he is passionate about increasing the number of black men in the field of medicine, which I am also passionate about doing. But he's got a great story for you guys. And I really want you guys to pay attention and just feel that passion, feel his his love for medicine throughout this whole entire journey as he brings it to you. Now, I'm going to remind you guys, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast, share the podcast. And remember, you can go to blackmenandwhitecoats.org backslash worksheets. You can sign up to get your worksheets. So each one of these episodes, we have a worksheet for it. So definitely check out those worksheets. Have your kids do the worksheets. There's a lot of learning to come from this, you know, beyond just listening to the podcast. It's actually a good learning experience to practice listening and comprehension and, and writing down answers, things of that sort. All right, family. One more reminder. Black Men and White Coats Summit will be taking place on February 16th, 2019. It will be in Dallas, Texas, on the campus of UT Southwestern Medical Center. You can learn more about it, blackmenandwhitecoats.org backslash summit, and registration is now open. So you can go ahead and register for that summit. We'd love to see you guys there. It is free, free event. So we love to host you guys and let you be a part of this Black Men and White Coats Summit. It's going to be a great day. We want as many of our youth there, as many as our physicians to show up, as many community leaders, educators, parents, all of you guys, you're all welcome. So I'm looking forward to seeing you guys there. It's going to be a very, very good event. All right. So I'm going to be quiet now and give you guys the opportunity to hear the man that you're here to hear from, Dr. Cedric McFadden. So to give a little background of where I come from, I was born in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, I was the youngest child of my father and mother, both of which were in the home. I have an older sister and an older brother. And I think growing up, I was a good student. I was a good, um, uh, attentive. Um, I was excited about learning. Um, I don't think I was particularly the smartest child um, in the classroom. And in some ways, I think some of that had to do with, um, you know, my own, um, and perhaps even my, the expectation of those that were around me. Um, I don't think, um, you know, while my parents expected me to go to school, while they expected me to work hard and to do my best, uh, they were not pushy parents. They did not demand that I bring home straight A's. Uh, they did not sit down with me to do homework every night. Um, it was very much my own uh, project. I mean, school was 
my job. It was my responsibility to get things done. And so uh, as such, I think that perhaps created uh, a sense of independence and a sense of personal responsibility to to secure my own path and to um, uh, figure some stuff out on my own. Um, and so while I worked hard in school, I don't think I particularly, ex- and, and I guess I'll go back, I don't think I particularly worked hard um, uh, as I could have worked perhaps in the elementary school years and probably even most of middle school years. Um, but I think there came a point probably in junior high school while I realized um, and, and appreciated the value of working harder and working smarter. Um, I don't have anyone in my f- family that uh, was a doctor. Uh, there were no nurses uh, in my immediate family. I have an aunt that was an, a nurse that lived uh, away from um, South Carolina. Um, but my mom worked at a hospital um, in Columbia, South Carolina, and she worked in administration. Um, and um, I think having that exposure, and again, this is in the in the years before um, certain restrictions on um, access to the hospital, but my mom worked at a hospital, so there were days for various reasons where I was able to visit her at that hospital. And I was able to interact with uh, various doctors and, and nurses and, and administrators and physical therapists. And, and I really got to see the hospital uh, from behind the scenes. Um, I also had several aunts that worked in other capacities around the hospital, you know, whether that was in environmental services or in the cafeteria or in patient transport. Um, and so I was able to interact with them as well. And so that always fascinated me seeing the hustle and bustle of what's happening in the hospital and again, what was happening behind the scenes. So that was attractive uh, for several reasons. Um, additionally, I had a grandmother who was, uh, by the time I became, you know, uh, fifth or sixth grader, she was she was sick a lot. She had lots of uh, chronic diseases, and she uh, spent a lot of time in the ER, in doctors' offices. Um, and I remember very vividly speaking to her at a very early age about you know Coumadin and and watching her uh, do insulin injections and being around her. Certainly, you know, you have a sense that you want to help and and make things better. Um, I don't think I identified perhaps that early that I wanted to help as a doctor, but you know, certainly as a as a child, seeing your grandmother go through um, such illness, you 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 often want to find ways in which you can be helpful. And I think putting all of that together um, created something that by the time I was in you know, late junior high that I recognized that I wanted to be a doctor. I don't think I've thought about the challenges. I just thought I want to be a doctor. And so I began to say that and I began to believe that. And even as much as in high school, 
I, I remember taking certain tests where they'd say, you know, what might you want to be? And I remember clicking being a doctor. But it wasn't that I had this thought out plan uh, set in place. It was just a thought. And, you know, as I began to think it, I said it. And as I said it, I believed it. And that really set the course for what I wanted to do. Um, and I remember being just fascinated in high school at all of the, the doctor shows, not even so much like um, the scripted shows, but even, you know, there were certain channels like the Learning Channel or TLC used to actually show live surgeries. And I remember watching that with a lot of interest and really being fascinated by, you know, medicine and, and figuring out, you know, more about how to help sicknesses and 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 how to alleviate suffering of, of patients. So that set the the bar in, uh, or set the uh, will in motion for you know wanting to be in medicine. And so when I was in the eleventh grade, maybe eleventh or twelfth grade, um, I had plans to uh, go to college, and I was thinking of one school in particular in Georgia, and it actually applied and and gotten in and was set to go and probably in January or maybe late December of that senior year of high school. So pretty late in the game, I think uh, I had a teacher who um, reached out to me and said she was watching CNN and saw a report about Xavier University of Louisiana and uh, how they have had um, the number one uh, admissions of, uh, of black students uh, into medical school. And to me, you know, when she said it, she said it with so much enthusiasm and, and really just relayed on me that, wow, you should really check the school out. And that's what I did. And again, this is before internet. Um, and so I called the school. They sent a handbook. Um, and with really very little information, um, I became impressed at this program. Uh, at Xavier University. It seemed to be a, a good fit for what I perhaps needed and uh, and the excitement that I had about medicine, about being a doctor. I mean, they they really poured into that. And so once uh, applied and, and accepted, that's where I chose to go. And so I spent um, uh, my college years in New Orleans at Xavier University studying biology, minoring in chemistry, and um, it was a fascinating place to be. I mean, growing up in high school, I remember watching shows like A Different World and and and, and seeing, so having that sort of uh, HBCU experience. Um, and probably in some ways, you know, you, you go to a school like Xavier, at least in my day, and 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 that's what you're expecting. And and um, while it wasn't exactly a different world, um, it was. It was really fascinating to see and to be around so many other people that were just as passionate um, about reaching this goal of being a doctor. Um, it was encouraging and it, it allowed me, I think, to thrive and to become even better than I probably would have otherwise become. And so that was probably one of the best moves. And, 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 and I've reached back to that teacher and I've thanked her on several occasions on really uh, speaking that school into my life. And so while at Xavier, um, you know, I was able to participate in all the pre-med 
societies. I was able to participate in several of the service organizations. And, and I, I really had a chance to um, connect with people from around the country, again, that were doing the same thing that I was doing. Um, I say pretty focused at Xavier. I, I was blessed to be able to get involved with the ministry uh, in New Orleans. I had always been involved in ministry and church with my family in Columbia. And so that was important to me that to that I continue that when college because it really created a sense of foundation um, that I think I needed to have in college. And it was a sense of encouragement um, and support um, that I don't think I would have done well without. And so I, that that helped me stay focused and helped me stay attentive to what I needed to do. Uh, to just be efficient at studying, you know, knowing that, you know, I may have a church service to go to at a certain time. So therefore I need to use this time wisely. Um, so that was my college life. I mean, I was fairly focused and I did what I was supposed to do when I was supposed to do it. Meaning, you know, I took the, the Kaplan or the Princeton, uh, MCAT prep courses and I did the study skills, uh, labs and I did all the stuff that should have helped me become a, a, a good applicant. I did the research projects and, and I did all that. And um, when it, the decision was made to apply to medical school, it was an easy one because at Xavier, they would have, a, a, I guess it was a bookcase or a glass case in one of the lobbies in the science center where you would see every year, everyone that's gotten accepted into medical school and the schools that they've gotten accepted in. So from the time you were a freshman, day in and day out, you walked into the science building and you saw these pictures and it would say, you know, John Smith uh, has been accepted to, you know, uh, Howard University School of Medicine, uh, Harvard University School of Medicine or whatever it may be. And you saw that throughout the year and you saw that the acceptances got more and more close to the end of the year. So by the time I became a junior or I guess a junior, whenever you apply to med school, um, it was ingrained in me that, wow, I, I want my face or my name to be in this glass case as well, because that was the expectation. The expectation had been set from a freshman. And I think that was a fantastic thing that the pre-med society or um, the pre-med uh, advisors did at Xavier, J.D. Edward Carmichael, in kind of setting, up, setting up that that expectation of you want to be in that case. And so I applied to several schools uh, for um, medical school. Um, and you know, I think I applied um, not really uh, convinced of going to any particular school, but just as Xavier had come into my life, so did Temple. And so uh, a friend of mine uh, was applying to Temple, I think, to the dental program. Uh, I have uh, aunts and had some cousins and, and, and uncles that lived in Philadelphia. I'd not spend very much, I think maybe not of any time really in Pennsylvania, other than the tour of the medical school at the time of my interview. But ultimately, you know, landing on campus, it just felt right. And I felt like this was the place that I needed to be. It seemed like a very supportive environment. There was a recruitment and retention office that reached out to me early on um, that really shaped my view of Temple. Um, and I got a um, I had a good experience with one of my interviewers who reached out to me after I interviewed and, and it just, it felt like a place I could call home. It really did. And, um, and so that's where I went to medical school. I went to medical school at Temple University School of Medicine. 
And I want to say that, you know, out of every place that I interviewed, that was, I think, the place that I needed to be. I really do. Um, I don't think that I um, had a whole lot of um, deep feelings about other places that I had interviewed during that season. So I started Temple, started medical school, and it was amazing to me because I was surrounded by, you know, just just really bright, smart, intelligent, um, dedicated people. And it was a, a great experience of um, learning and thriving and, and making connections with people that were even you know, they were headed in the exact same place as I was going. And it was an amazing experience for me. Um, I think that I spent uh, the first year really getting to know my classmates. Um, we bonded. I had a roommate. I had really good friends and, and, and really had a great time in Philadelphia. It was a great place to be. Um, and, and Temple, I think you, you recognize med school is hard itself. I mean, the, the first year you initially begin thinking it's challenging, Second year, you realize how challenging it actually is. Um, and I think if I were to have any, you know, feelings of, of doubt, it would have been during the med school years. Um, I think there was this, uh, um, there was this pervasive thought that, that, that am I going to make it? Am I good enough? Can I do this? Um, and I think that there were times that I said, maybe I'm not good enough. Or there were times where I may have said, um, I can't do it. Um, but those were only individual times. Those were isolated times. Those were not um, an ongoing saga. I will allow myself to have those thoughts, but that the next breath, I would keep doing what I knew I needed to do. So it wasn't so much that I would stop doing when I felt discouraged or when I felt um, uh, challenged, it's just I use that as a moment to regroup and figure it out. And and you know it's funny because you know you you talk to other folks who perhaps started medical school or, or wanted to start medical school and didn't start medical school or dropped out of medical school or changed plans. And everybody has their own plan. It, that's just the way life is. Everybody has their own plan, and and everyone has the, their their goals and what they're reaching for. But you know, good or bad, I did not really allow myself to 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 use quitting as an option. I didn't give myself that space to say, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm I'm, I'm just going to figure something else out that I want to do more. I, I didn't allow myself to do that. And again, I don't think that's good or bad. I just did not allow myself to give up. Even though I allowed myself to say I want to, or I feel like I can't, I never allowed myself to say, all right, that's it. I'm not doing this anymore. And, and, and I think that the, those times of wanting or, or, or feeling like I was inadequate or, or, or not able to do something, those are very fleeting moments, but they're moments that stand out because they can really shape, shape your perspective and kind of shape your, your, your future. But, you know, during medical school, um, I went through all of that, and I think by the time I had gotten to my final or my fourth year of medical school, I knew and I was confident that that I was good enough. I was confident that I had worked hard, 
and that I had earned um, uh, my my title or as a medical doctor. And I felt very proud of that, uh, graduating, um, knowing that I had an opportunity to do something that perhaps other folks tried, could, couldn't, wouldn't, whatever. I, I, I was very proud of the hard work that I had put in to actually make that happen. Um, you know, being supported by, you know, family and, and, and friends. Um, that's, that's certainly been a blessing to have. But, you know, when you're going through medical school, a lot of it is taking place, you know, you know, overnight when you're studying or, you know, day in and day out on the weekends when you're having to give up going, uh, places that you otherwise be able to go if you did not have to study. I, I was, I was very proud of that. And, um, and, um, I, and, and I remember that very fondly. And so graduating from medical school, um, I initially thought, you know, as I entered medical school that I would, I was thinking about OBGYN because I was always uh, fascinated by gestation, uh, about, you know, pregnancy. Um, and, you know, I was a child of the eighties. So, you know, Dr. Heathcliff Huxtable, um, was a real person to me. And so he was an OBGYN. Certainly that, uh, probably had some influence as well. And when I got to my clinical rotations, um, I, I wasn't as fond of, of, of that rotation as I thought I might be. Um, but surgery was the one rotation that I absolutely adored. I mean, it was, it was an amazing experience uh, being in the operating room for the first times and, and getting to cut suture, tie suture, see the anatomy that was actually still alive, not, you know, your cadaver and gross anatomy. And so I, I really enjoyed the sense of teamwork. Um, I enjoyed the, the responsibility. Um, I saw myself as a surgeon and there was one particular surgeon that, that really influenced me because he had such a rapport with his patients. He had a certain panache about him that, that he walked in, the patients respected him. Uh, he did great work. Um, he did really tough cases and that was really the person that I said, you know, I want to be like that guy. And he was also a colorectal surgeon. Well, he was a general surgeon that did lots of colorectal surgery. So, um, but I'll say that when I decided that I was going to go into general surgery as a residency, um, I was told by several folks that mm, maybe not um, what they would have envisioned that I would be doing. Um, you know, traditionally, surgeons have a certain personality type that folks didn't think I had. Um, I, for whatever reason, um, that's not who I am. And so that was a conversation I had with Probably two or three folks, a few in my class, not terrible from it. Like I didn't get that advice from, you know, career counselors, or, but just folks talking to the class that say, well, I don't really see you doing that. Or I, I can't imagine you doing that. Or you, you, you don't know. I don't think that you're going to, um, be able to thrive in that world that, that can sometimes be a little bit malignant and tough. Um, and, um, you know, again, this comes down to, you know, knowing who you are knowing what you enjoy and really not letting other people's opinions of you or what you should or could be doing influence what you believe you should or could be doing and what you've worked hard to achieve. And so with that being said, you know, I applied to general surgery. Um, I did over rotations. And again, this is one of those times that if I look back, I was very proud of how hard I worked. Um, and I, um, 
got the spot. I matched into general surgery uh, down at the Greenville Health System in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, it's also affiliate, affiliated with the University of South Carolina uh, School of Medicine. And so I did my residency there. And I, I would say that I thrived as a resident. I mean, I, I enjoyed being a resident because I was getting to do everything that I said I wanted to do. And so as I spent time in Greenville, I also had time to do um, a lot of community outreach. Um, you know, it, in my role as a resident, uh, there had not been um, uh, a great influx of of folks who looked like me in my um, in my area uh, doing what I was doing, and I took that as an opportunity to be able to reach out to the community and to do a lot of education on you know disease processes that I thought uh, were important, such as colorectal cancer and screening programs and having opportunities to go out to churches, having those connections that I think were going to be important to uh, increase um, uh, our recognition of some of the diseases and healthcare disparities that we have uh, seen so commonly in our communities. And so I was very proud of the fact that uh, I was able to go out to um, these churches and go out to community health fairs and really make connections with people. And it's really shaped some of what I do today um, because, you know, having uh, those opportunities to have connections with folks that otherwise may not uh, hear. So those are things that I got to do as a resident. Um so when I was doing my residency, I had in the back of my mind, I wanted to do colorectal for my experience as a medical student. And that's exactly what I did. So I applied for a colorectal uh, fellowship uh, during my fourth year of my um, residency. And um, I ultimately matched at the Georgia Colon Rectal Surgical Clinic in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and so when I finished my, um, my, uh, my, uh, Residency, I did a one-year colorectal fellowship uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, again, that's more of refining and creating. Um, I'm sorry, more of uh, refining and um, really um, tackling the um, the diseases of the colon and rectum, um, and you know, doing more things like colonoscopies and and um, and um, So upon leaving um, my residency, I did my fellowship in colorectal surgery um, in Atlanta, Georgia. And after finishing that, I knew I was coming back to Greenville, South Carolina to become a staff uh, employee uh, at the Greenville Health System, University of South Carolina School of Medicine uh, in, uh, in, in Greenville. And uh, my role right now is currently uh, as an attending physician um, as well as uh, vice chair of clinical affairs um, and operations in the Department of Surgery, um, where I spend a lot of time also working with the students and residents and our fellow um, and also running our mentoring program um, for the medical school. Um, I think if I've learned anything throughout this journey, I've learned that you have to sometimes say something before you can see it. You have to sometimes say something before you perhaps even believe it. 
and you have to continue the journey that you uh, believe is best for you, despite what other folks may tell you. Even if other folks have doubt about your abilities, you have to believe and move forward. And, um, you know, sometimes you have to prove people wrong and not saying that necessarily has to be your goal, but I think that has to uh, be your mantra that you are responsible for your journey. And um, I've had uh, days in which I felt like that's something that I could handle. And I had days where I felt like I could not handle it. But nevertheless, I handled it. And uh, by the grace of God, I'm here today. So thank you all for allowing me to share with you my journey. Thank you, Dr. McFadden, for sharing your journey with us. That was very inspirational, very eye-opening. A lot of things to be learned from Dr. McFadden's journey. One of the things that I thought was very telling was his love for medicine from an early age. He talks about seeing his grandmother, the things she went through, and just naturally wanting to help her. You know, that's something that's common in a lot of doctors. So as you guys listen to that, I want you guys to really hear that and, and, and take that in. But just his passion for medicine, talking about he would watch TLC and watch these surgeries as a child and be enthralled with them and, and wants to be a part of that community, a part of that environment. So that love for medicine is something that just bleeds through his journey. And I think that's what gives people that drive. You know, just now when he was closing, closing his story, he mentioned that he's had some days where he thought he couldn't make it. And you wonder when you have these days when you think you can't make it, what is the thing that keeps you going? And the thing that keeps you going is the love. It's not the money. Money's good. You know, as a matter of fact, I, so I spoke at the Barack Obama Male Leadership Academies here in Dallas, Texas. I spoke there. Um, with some other with some buddies on career day a couple of days ago and you know i told them something that i tell people people always say don't go into medicine for money yeah don't go into medicine for money but there's nothing wrong with making money i just want to make sure i put that out there because i think oftentimes in our community we have this thing like oh no money no there's nothing wrong with making money and being compensated for what you do that's a good thing all right that's a good thing so be a doctor make a lot of money but the key is don't love the money the love of money money's not the root of all evil the love of money is the root of all evil so when you get that money give a lot of it away help other people invest it to make the world a better place okay right but let me go back to what i was just saying before i got distracted here okay so don't go into medicine for money not just for money okay of course you want to get paid but don't go into medicine just for the money do what dr mcfadden did you could see it in the story it's, it was a love a true love because that love is what's going to get you through those rough days. You're going to think back to when you're a child and when you saw your grandmother suffering or when you're watching TLC or he talked about how he, he himself actually got on the phone and called Xavier. You know, a lot of students don't do that nowadays. A lot of high school kids don't do that. You know, they rely on your parents or other people. But he got on the phone. And he called Xavier to learn more about the school. And also, you know, shout out to Xavier. <laughs> shout out to Xavier. I'm not doing this on purpose, guys. You guys will notice that quite a few of our guests are or Xavierites, graduates from Xavier. I'm not doing that on purpose at all. The people who I think have great stories to tell or who might reach out, you know, I reach out to some people. I say, hey, I think you got a great story. Could you share your story? And I'm not thinking that they're from Xavier. These are just people. I'm thinking you have a great story. And Xavier's doing his thing. So, you know, I can't knock that. You know, maybe one day I'll be fortunate enough and we'll get somebody from Xavier um, administration or something that tells how they do it. And because it's, it's a beautiful thing. So anyway, shout out to Xavier. I don't know how you're doing it, but you're getting all these people on the show. And, you know, other thing which I find fascinating, and 
Dr. McFadden said this, and Dr. Noble also said this a couple weeks ago. Both of them talked about a different world. For you younger guys who might not know what a different world is, it was a TV show, sitcom, um, 80s. I think it bled over into the 90s as well. Um, you know, about an HBCU, Historically Black College University. Um, and it was a great show. Loved it. You know, I still go back and watch it now, every now and then. I, I think most of us from that generation loved that show. You know, it was the thing to watch. And it's amazing how they talk about the impact that show had on them to wanting to go to HBCU. And when you make that linkage, it, essentially you're saying that that show impacted them to want to go to college. Right? That's important. So when people say media doesn't influence things, that's nonsense. Media definitely influences people. Right. So that show made them want to go to college in a sense. Yeah. And HBCU, but nonetheless, you know, the idea is not just that they want to go to HBCU because an HBCU is college. So that it made them want to go to college. And I think that's amazing. So that's just a note to parents. Be mindful in terms of what you're putting in front of your children to watch. Hey, go online. Um, it used to be on Netflix. I'm not sure if it's still on Netflix, but go find a different world. Pull it up. You know, watch your kids. Make your kids watch that show. Maybe it'll give them the extra oomph to want to go to college as well. All right, guys. I've been talking for a long time, so I'm going to hit you with my my final words as I always do. Please, please, please subscribe to this podcast. The more of you that listen to it, the more people that get to hear it. And our social mission will be moving forward as we work to diversify the field of medicine because I believe that's important because when you have diverse people working in the field, you get diverse ideas and innovation happens. It's talent mining. So I think that's important. So please subscribe to the podcast. Please share the podcast because there's a social mission behind this podcast. Okay. Also, DFW Summit, you know, I say DFW because it's going to be held in Dallas, Fort Worth. It's going to be held on the campus of UT Southwestern Medical Center, Black Men and White Coats Summit. Registration is now officially open. Visit us at blackmenandwhitecoats.org backslash summit and register. And shout out to my boy, Anthony Williams, for making the website did an absolutely phenomenal job on the web page there. So shout out to him for doing all that stuff for Black Men and White Coats. But click that button, register. And definitely want to see all of you guys there at the summit. It's going to be a great event. Looking forward to really making history with that and touching a lot of lives, impacting a lot of lives. All right. So love you guys. Have any questions, you know where to find me. You pre-medical students on premedstar.com. Send me a message and I'll continue to respond to them and do my best to help you guys become doctors. All right. Love you guys. And I will see you next time. Shh.